About twice a year, um, I preach a message called MVP. And what MVP stands for is our mission, vision, and our process of River of Life Church. Who we are, what makes us tick, why we are the way we are. Because what I've noticed is because of, of, of a revolving door that we have here, there's a lot of new families and new people that come into church um, over the course of six months and they go, and for whatever reason, maybe they really enjoy it. Maybe they just like the worship. Maybe they just like the people. Uh, maybe they, uh, I can't imagine anybody like the way I'm preaching, but maybe they like the way I preach. All right, or whatever the case is. They, they come and they participate and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for that. Um, over the course of probably since January, we've had an average, and this is no joke, we've had an average between seven to 11 new families visit every week to church. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Now, out of those 7 and 11, some have stayed, some have moved on. Whatever the case is, we're here just to give them the gospel, man, just to give them Jesus, no matter what that looks like. So about every couple, every time, about twice a year, I, I talk through what the, the, mission, the mission, vision processes of our church, why we're here, what this is all about. So that's what we're going to do today. You guys ready to talk about this? All right, because it's going to happen anyway. All right, so what does this mean? It's the mission, vision process of our church. So I'm going to say a few things here today that you may or may not agree with, but that's okay. We love you. Um, local church is important. How many of you would agree with that? Great six. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Local church is important for so many reasons. Local body church is important for so many reasons. Here's why. Um, one of the reasons, and of course, I'm not going to preach this. That's not what I'm going to preach about um, um, because I, I preached about this about four weeks ago about the church and what, what it's important for, why it's important. So if you want to check out that message, you can go online and listen to it. It's there. It's just called a sermon series for four weeks called The Church. And, um, and so why, why local church is important, I dive into it. But one of the main reasons why local church is so important is because it, it offers an opportunity for you to belong to something bigger than yourself. It offers an opportunity for you to belong. Someone say the word belong. It offers an opportunity for you to belong to something different, to each other, to people, <laughs> to, to do that. And see, when you have a sense of belonging, when you have a sense of, of a place where you can belong, then you have a sense of becoming, all right? See, there's a difference between belonging and becoming. See, when you belong, you have a sense of becoming, which meaning becoming is simply meaning you can go and become what Christ has called you to be. Everything that God has set your destiny in front of you to be, you have a better opportunity, a better chance if you belong to a certain body or to a certain church. And that's why church is so important in a community, in a city, in a town. All right, there's hundreds and hundreds of churches with, located within the Cooley region. And, and, and I love that. I think it's so important because each one is so different. Each one is doing what, they're, what, what they feel God has called them to do. Each one of them is going after what they feel Jesus has set before them. All with the same purpose and mission in mind, which is to belong and to become, to help you, to help me get to the place where we can fulfill the destiny that God has for our hearts and our lives. Amen. When we become, we can literally become the destiny that Christ has set out for us. See, when you're involved in a local church body, like this one, like River of Life. I love River of Life. It's my church, baby. <laughs> I'm happy about my church. I'm proud of my church. Don't be prideful, Pastor Jake. I'm proud. Proud of our church. Why? Because I love you. That's why. Because I'm proud of you. Every individual in this place, man, woman, Black, brown, white, mostly white, but 
You can laugh at that, it's a joke, okay? It's all right. <laughs> I love every single one of you, and I believe that God has a purpose for your life, a purpose to, to prosper you, a plan and a vision to move you forward. See, when we're involved in a local church like this one, it helps you and I develop love, grace, and mercy in our lives and with each other because this church and a church like this, that's where it's best expressed at, to literally be the love of Jesus Christ to one another. Now, hear me out when I'm saying, there's something about going out from this place and going to the community, amen? Going and reaching people. It's easy for me, it may not be easy for you, but most of the time, generally speaking, it's easy to love a non-believer. Someone who doesn't believe in God because our hearts are geared that way because that's who Jesus died for, right? Jesus died so that all can come into salvation and all can go to heaven, okay? He gave his only son that whosoever believe in him will, come on, help me out, will not perish but have what? Eternal life, okay? John three sixteen and 17. All right, so that's why he died. So it's easy for us to love and to go after the non-believer. But let me just suggest something to you this morning that it's actually a little bit more difficult to express love and mercy and grace within a local church body. Why? Because now you and I are connected. Now you and I, we have to love each other. We have to go through the struggle with one another. We have to go face to face. We have to do all these things. And you see, I believe that local church and a church body like this is so important because it can literally express to the world what love really looks like. Because what happens naturally and most of the time is in a marriage, what usually happens is whenever something friction, whenever something's going on like this, one party says, I'm done, I'm out. And then they leave, right? Now, this isn't a message about divorce, and I'm very careful to say that. But what I'm saying is this, within a local church body, if we can get past the friction, if we can get past all these things and learn to love one another, God is most pleased when we express that to each other. God is most pleased when we learn to love in the middle of our disagreements. What I see best fit for, as a local church is like this, is you and I sitting across the table at Thanksgiving. Which by the way, if anybody wants to take me turkey hunting this year, I will say yes. We're sitting across the table from each other and we have our differences. We have our political differences. Should we mask, should we not mask? We have those differences. Should we vaccinate, not vaccinate? We have those differences. We have our theolo theology differences. We have our doctrinal differences. We have these things that we differ from. Now, we can either say, I'm never going to Thanksgiving dinner again, or we can say, you know what? I'm gonna choose to love you despite your differences, right? That's called unity. Because unity is not uniformity. We don't have to believe the same things. I just have to love you through it. No, I don't think you understood what I just said. Unity is best expressed when I can love you despite your difference. When I can show you grace, when I can show you mercy, when you can show me grace, when you can show me mercy in the middle of this thing called church. It's how church splits happen. Now, I know church splits take place all the time. I get it, and there's valid reasons for those things. But if we just leave it to a church split because we had a disagreement with somebody, right, and we didn't push through, and we didn't make it through, and we didn't walk through those things together, then what we've done is we've given a foothold to the enemy to cause confusion and division. See, whenever there's chaos, whenever there's destruction, wherever there's confusion, those are the footprints of the enemy, those are the footprints of the enemy in a church, in your life, in your marriage, in your kids' life. Destruction and chaos does not come from God. Can somebody say amen? 
It doesn't happen with Jesus. But what does happen with Jesus is disruption. Disruption can take place in the kingdom, in monk, amongst churches. Disruption can take place. Sometimes it's a God thing to disrupt the church. Sometimes it's a God thing because here's what happens. I've been watching this series called The Chosen. Anybody see that before? The Chosen is probably one of the best depictions of the Bible on TV screen. Okay? It's not the Bible. It's a story out of the it's, it's a story out of the eyes of the disciples, out of the eyes of the people that Jesus encountered. It's not really even about Jesus. It's about the people that he encountered and their take on what that meant. And there was an episode a couple of weeks ago that I watched. If you don't know how to watch it, you can download the app. It's all free. Okay, it's called The Chosen. I encourage you to watch it. It's really great. There's two seasons right now, going through season two. Thank you, Chosen. Chosen, if you're watching this, I just promoted you. Okay, royalties. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> right, so Jesus walks into <clears throat> where the lame man was at at the pool. Anybody remember this story in the Bible? Walks into the, to the, to the, to the place, to the pool of Bethesda, and, and, um, and, the, and the angel would come and stir the water, right? And people who got into the water then would be healed. Everybody tracking with me? Okay, so he'd be healed. And so there he is. He walks into, um, Jesus walks in on the Sabbath. Now you gotta remember, Jewish law says Sabbath, keep it holy. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. You don't pick your nose. You don't do any of that stuff on the Sabbath because that's considered work, right? So here's Jesus walks into this, this area where the pool is at, sees a lame man from birth, okay? And he says, you don't need that water. Pick up your mat and walk. Do you want to be healed? First, he asked the lame man, do you want to be healed? The lame man says, yes, I want to be healed. Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. First of all, it's a miracle in itself that a person from birth who was lame could not walk right now, almost 30 some years later, now gets healed from a disease that enabled this guy not to able to walk anymore. Disabled him from walking. So here's Jesus, picks him up, right? He picks himself up, picks up his mat, walks, starts dancing out of the place. The Pharisees and the Sadducees come around and they start murmuring and complaining like a lot of religious folk like to do when things don't fit in their paradigm. Right, about Jesus. Jesus, in this depiction of the chosen, walks out of the city in Jerusalem Disciple says, why did you do that, Jesus? Don't you know it's a Sabbath? And Jesus says, sometimes you just have to stir the waters. Wasn't talking about the physical water. He was talking about the spiritual climate in that time. See, Jesus, Jesus's footprint when he disrupts always leads us to miracles. Come on, I don't think you understood what I just said. When he disrupts, it causes us to respond to what he's doing. And over the course of the last year, there's been a disruption in the kingdom, where it's given us the opportunity to shift and to rethink and to refocus so we can relaunch. We have to learn to love each other in the middle of the church, in the middle of the friction, in the middle of the disruption. The Bible says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 14. I mean, you know, I could just leave it right there and just go home. That was good, wasn't it? Sorry, maybe I got ministered to more than you did. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 through 14 says this, for I know the plans 
that I have for you, declares the Lord. That phrasing right there, I know the plans that I have for you, the little definition for that in the Hebrew means I know what I'm planning for you. Do you believe that God knows exactly what he's planning for you? Right? He knows what he's planning for you. He knows the calendar for you. He knows the steps for you. Why do I know that? Because the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. He knows what's in your future. He knows where you're going to move. He knows what's going to take place. He knows what you're called to. He knows the destiny in your life. He knows the plans that he has for you. Not only just Jesus just say that, the Lord say that, but he declares it. There's a difference between just talking and declaring. The Lord declares over you today, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. What do those plans mean? According to your Bible, it says plans for prosperity and salvation and not for disaster to give you a hope in the future. Then, I love this, verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Now this, the Lord's talking, God is talking to the Israelites at this, at this time, right? He's talking to the Israelites. But if we can just take those words and apply it to our lives, God knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. But there are a few prerequisites on our behalf. There are some responsibilities that we have in the unfolding plan of God. Amen? There are some responsibilities that we have to do in order to see the unfolding plan of God. The first one is that we have to pray. We have to pray. We have to seek him with all of our heart. That's number two. I love prayer. I love prayer. And not just praying for your food either, okay? I mean, that's super cool, okay? I, had a, I heard a, I've been in the, some of this guy for a long time. There's a guy who traveled around. His name is Ron Ock Sr. Anybody know who that is? Ron Ock, Ron Ock, you would know Ron Ock. He used to do these prayer classes and these prayer things. And back in Minnesota, he came and he said, he said, I don't even pray for my food anymore. I just drive by the grocery store and say a general prayer. It's pretty awesome. So I could do that. That's cool. Right? Prayer is so important to the life of a believer. Why? Not because you're trying to get something from God. It's because you're aligning yourself with him. So when we pray with our heart, with our, the heart connection, okay, with our heart connection, what we're doing is we're saying, God, what you want, I want. What you want, I want. The Lord modeled this for us so greatly in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says, not my will, but your will be done. It's not my will, but your will be done. When we pray, we have to pray with his heart at our heart. That's how the unfolding plan comes to be. Now we search him with everything within us. Which is why, I'll get to this in a second, which is why we're central to the presence of God. Because we believe that if we can go after Jesus, everything else will follow. Matthew 6.33. Right? Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we seek him first, and a right relationship with him, righteousness, then all of these things will follow. What the general Believer wants to do is go and search for all the things rather than search for his heart. 
We wanna search our stuff. God, what can I do? God, what's the next step? God, will you do this? God, will you do that? And there's nothing with coming and requesting and petitioning before the Lord. That's prayer too. But when our heart is not set on searching him first, God says, why don't you just seek me first and I'll give those things to you. Don't worry about anything in your life. I got you taken care of. I got you covered. See, the heart's a funny thing. Actually, the Bible calls in Proverbs, it says it's deceitful above all things. The heart is funny because you can do whatever you want to do in action. Come on. You can do whatever you want to do in action. You can raise your hands. You can pray in tongues. You can seek after him. You can come and kneel before the Lord in action. But if your heart's not there, what good is it? Because everything is a heart issue to God. Why? Because out of the abundance of the, what? Abundance of the heart, the mouth. I like to suggest that out of the abundance of your heart, you live your life. Out of the abundance of your heart, you live your life. Yes, there's faith. Yes, there's things we have to do without us feeling it here. I get it. I understand that. But don't allow this to be the thinker for you. Let this sink into here so here you can live. Here you can live. See, when it comes to plans and visions, the best way we can align ourselves with what he says and what he has for us is prayer, seeking him, and searching him out with everything that we are. I want to encourage you today. I didn't, I didn't say this first service, but I want to encourage you today. This week, this week, take 30 minutes before you start your day to read your Bible and if you, need, if you need help, online, we have a thing called soap, okay? Not soap like you clean yourself with, but scripture, observation, application, prayer. You can look it up, look it up online, gives you our Bible reading plan for the month. Next, next week, we're gonna start our new one. But I encourage you to take 30 minutes before you start your day, throw on some worship music, pray, seek God, and read your Bible, and see what happens to your life. See what happens, because what happens was this. The agenda for the day is already set for you. The enemy already has his plans and his tricks already for you. He's got it all set out before you because he's seeking around, going about who may be devoured. He's got it all set for you. But when you align yourself with what God is speaking, with what God is doing and what God has for you, you begin to notice those things and you walk confidently and victoriously before the Lord. But it has to come down to prayer, seeking and searching him. So six years ago, before I became the pastor here, knowing that I was gonna come here, been hired by the board, it was a great time, had three interviews, it was the best interviews I ever had. Can I, can I just, I got, do I got time? Yeah, I got time. I'm gonna tell you real quick the process here, what happened, okay? Without, with leaving some details out. I knew that I was called to this area. There's no doubt in my mind, okay? And a lot of pastors probably have said that before, you know? but I really mean it, not like those other pastors. <laughs> this is true, okay? I knew, I even circled it on a map. I said, I'm called to this area. I didn't know anything about Cooley region. I didn't know anything about Driftless area. I looked at a map and said, God, where do you want me to go? And the highlight went, bing, bing. I said, lacrosse on Alaska, what is that? Only time I came to lacrosse is because I got lost. <laughs> true story, I was driving, Driving from Minnesota on 90 West, right? I was headed to go down to 35, if you know that little intersection there by Albert Lee, right? I missed the turn. 
Kristen's asleep. My boys are asleep in the bed because they're little. Of course, anybody, when you're driving, everyone gets in the car and goes like this. It's like, that's my family, instant fall asleep time, right? So they're falling asleep. I'm just listening to music. I'm doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Matt, don't listen to this. I have my headphones in and I'm jamming out, right? Don't give me a ticket, buddy, because I still do it. And, and, and all these things, right? I'm just worshiping, totally miss. And, and Kristen wakes up and goes, where are we? That's the first thing she said. I said, well, um, lacrosse you know you missed our turn by like an hour, two hours almost? I said, what's well, your fault? You're sleeping. <laughs> it was awesome, man. That's the only time I remember seeing lacrosse on a map. So I looked at there and I said, okay, God, where do you want me to go? Circle this, right? Nothing was happening. Nothing was taking place. I had three interviews with Apple. I was gonna work for Apple. And... Uh, there was another church too in Michigan that was interested in having me, but nothing felt right. You know what I'm talking about? Like nothing ever feels right, but just guys go, I gotta do something. Nothing felt right. So when I encounter that and I come up against that wall, my MO is to always step out in faith, no matter if it's right or wrong, right? Because faith always pleases God. Okay, so I was like, okay, God, I don't know what to do, right? Uh, River of Life already told me no, because that's what happened. They said, no, we found another pastor. Thanks so much. And I was like, all right, great. So here I am. I'm Michigan or I'm Apple. So I said, well, I'm getting paid way more at Apple. I got benefits at Apple. Guess who's going to Apple? I'm ready to sign. I got the signature there and I got Michigan over here and I have to sign one of them. I'm going, oh God, right? I don't want to do any of these because I know I'm called here. I know I'm called here. And so I, uh, I sign Apple. And then when I sign Apple, our awesome board member, Paul Andrus, calls me. and says, hey, you want to have an interview with us? And I said, if I remember right, I said, I thought you guys hired a pastor. Ah, he didn't work out. All right, great. Yeah, when do you want to do this? Bloop. And then I ripped up Apple and I ripped up Michigan. I called Kristen. I says, hey, baby, get ready. We're going to move to Wisconsin, okay? She was like, no, we're not. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, we are. Let's, let's get ready to move. Because right? I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where God had called me. There was no question in my mind that this is where I was supposed to be. I don't know, have you guys ever heard that story before? Right? I just moved in confidence because I knew that God had spoke to me. I knew that that was the unfolding plan. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I knew that he knew the plans that he had for me. And even when it seemed like it wasn't gonna work out, I said, God, I've got to do something. So I stepped out in faith. It's, it's interesting to me that when God sees your faith move first, God then will open the door to the next thing for you. So six years ago, before I came to pastor of this church, I knew that I was gonna be here. I asked God, what kind of church do you see here, Lord? This is before I moved here. I said, God, what kind of church do you want to see? And it's important to know that I asked God because if I asked and got the opinion of man, it would have been all over the place. Well, you know, you should do this, pastor. You should do that. You should do this. This is the current trend. Come on now, wearing them skinny jeans. But come on now, it's the current trend, which by the way, I try to wear skinny jeans. It don't work, right? And, 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 and here's the current trend. Here's this. I would have got it from all over the place. I want you to know that as your pastor, I love you so much to do what God's called me to do, not what you want me to do. 
And I know that's a bold statement. It makes me feel, it may make it feel like I don't love you. I want you to know that God's word's more important to me in your life than it is for you trying to dictate or, or even try to persuade or manipulate anything. I want to follow after God. You want to know why? Because I'm responsible to him. I'm responsible to him. And in return, you'll be blessed by it as well. Amen? You know I love you, right? God, I just want to make sure. So I said, God, what do you want me to do? And then, but God, God began to set the course of the church in a direction that I knew that would take work, prayer, and patience to see this thing fulfilled. And to be honest with you, we're still fulfilling it. It's still unfolding. Here's what the Lord spoke to me at the, uh, that this church would be. Number one, this church would be a place where the presence of God would inhabit. The presence of God would inhabit and a place where we would equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we are a church in the Cross and Alaska area. It's to be a church, to be a building, to be a place, to be a location where, the, where God's presence can inhabit, where he just dwells, where he just lives. And also to encourage you as a believer to equip you to be a saint that will go and advance the kingdom of God everywhere you live. Which leads to our mission statement. This is our mission statement. To host his presence and transform the city. That's why we are who we are. To host his presence and transform the city. Let's talk about those things for a second. See, hosting his presence. Which next week we're starting a whole summer long series on what it means to host his presence. It's gonna be great. You don't wanna miss any week, okay? But if you do, I'm doing a thing called Short Church on Mondays, online only, where it's gonna be what we just talked about in seven minutes. But don't wait for that one. Come to church, okay? <laughs> so the Bible says this in Psalms chapter 22, verse three, it says, yet you are holy, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Another version says this, yet you are holy, you who inhabit the praises of your people. See, our main desire is to be a place where God is enthroned, where he is welcome, where he is the beginning and the end. Amen? Where he is everything. I'm not interested in current fads. I'm not interested in the current trends. I'm not interested in any of that. I'm interested in his presence because if we don't have the presence of God, then all we have is a good social club gathering. I'm not interested in any of that. I want to see God present every time we meet. Every time we're together, corporately like this, in a Bible study, at youth ministry, at kids ministry, in our men's ministry on Saturday nights, on, on the women's ministry, in our small groups. I want God to be present every single time where two or three are gathered together in his name. I want Jesus to be there. That is our desire. That's why we even open the doors to this church. If I didn't believe that so strongly, we close the doors and say, we're done, we're finished, it's it. No, because we want the presence of God. I desire that more than anything else. It's his presence. See, without his presence, we have nothing. We desire nor we want anything else. It's why we focus our energy, time, and passion in worship. Because God is most recognized in our praise and worship. It's why we got 
one of the most bounciest, pranciest ladies that I know doing flags. Why? Because we love worship. First service, she's all across the front. Why? Because we love worship. It's why we have people raise their hands. I could tell you not to raise your hands to make everybody feel comfortable. I could do that and don't raise your hands, people, because we're trying to get people in here, you know, and make everyone feel good. No, listen, don't be shy. Let her fly. Why? Because the presence of God is more important than attracting people. I know it sounds backward because the presence of God attracts people. Trust me, it does. Right? I could tell you, no, we're not going to do that. No, no, we're not. No, I'm not interested in that because we care about worship. Because where worship is and where praise is, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And if we want to be a place where God can live, where he can inhabit, then worship and praise must be central to what we do. Must be central to what we do. And that comes in all shapes, sizes, and forms. I'm just talking about the worship part of what we do, okay? Yeah, I can sit here and tell you worship. You know, I had someone Jesus juke me one time. You guys know what a Jesus juke is? It's when somebody one-ups you, Christian-wise. Jesus juke. I posted online, I'm so excited to be at church because we get to be in the presence of God. And then the Jesus juke was, the presence of God is everywhere. And I went, okay, all right, I get it. I know the presence of God is everywhere. I understand that. So I responded so kindly the presence of God might be there, but are you aware of the presence of God? There's a difference. Yep, God is here when you're here, but are you here when he's here? Are you aware of what he wants to do? Are we aware of what he wants to do? Are we just kind of doing things like we're doing things, right? Are we aware of where he's moving, of where he's going and what he wants to speak and what he wants to say and what he wants to do? What if the Holy Spirit led us into, led us into a point where we just stopped everything and we just said, okay, stop worship. We're gonna heal now. God wants to heal. Would we be okay with that? Or would we have to keep the band moving? Would we have to keep all this stuff going on so we can create atmosphere? Listen, it's all about what he wants to do. It's all about what he wants to do. The real question is, are we aware of his presence? My main prayer for my life is, God, let me be righteous and holy before you and be aware of what you're doing. That's all. I just want a part of it. I just want a part of it. The second part of our mission statement, host his presence, transform the city. Transform the city. I gotta, I gotta move forward. I didn't realize the time. Transform the city is not about doing events, but about you being equipped as a minister outside of the four walls of this church and within the church. There's been a misconception that the only reason why that you should be a Christian is to go minister outside the four walls of the church. I want to tell you that that's false. Yes, you should do that. Come on, somebody. Yes, you should go and evangelize. Yes, you should go and minister. Yes, you should go and pray at the Walmart. You need to do all that. How else is Jesus going to be advanced? If we just simply just us, us four no more within the four walls of the church, we need to get outside of the four walls of the church. Amen? But your gifts are just as important in here as they are out there because your gifts make the church move. We make it operate. We make it run. We help encourage the believers in the faith. 
Your gifts and your presence, your body, your physically being here helps other people be encouraged to worship Jesus in here and outside of here. It's not a both and, it's not, it's, it's, it's not an either or, it's both and. Do you guys understand? Both things are extremely important. See, the re- so, sometimes a lot of the reasons why we say, we get outside the four walls of church, what we're really saying is, hey, church, quit being lazy. It's not just about coming to church. That's what's really, really being said is, hey, this isn't just for you to come and sit in a pew and fulfill your religious obligation. It's not. It's for us to get outside and be Jesus with skin on and go minister to the people outside. But within the church, within the four walls of this church, you are important, you are valued, you are highly valued in what you do. And don't let anybody tell you anything differently. When you pray for somebody, guess what? You're praying with them the same way as you would pray for somebody outside in the world. When you're prophesying over somebody in here, guess what? You're doing the same thing here as you are out there. Sometimes I question, do people love the church? Or do they love the people outside more than they love the people in the church? So our mission, host his presence, transform the city to equip you to be a minister outside and in, inside and out. Amen? Vision. I'm gonna read to you Proverbs chapter 29, 18. I'm gonna go through this fast. 29, 18 says, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Okay? It's just a version. Have you guys ever heard of that version before? That translation? The Passion Translation? I had a pastor Facebook me one time and say, I'm, I'm, I probably shouldn't say this, you probably watching. He said, uh, hey, you wanna be really careful about that because you know, you know, it's heresy. Yeah, whatever. Passion Translation says this, 2918. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Here's what this means in the Hebrew. The word vision there literally means dream, oracle, or revelation. It means when there is no prophetic seer or interpreter, people wander astray. What does that definition mean? What does it mean to wander astray? It means to let loose, strip, make themselves naked. Also means to become lawless. Now, just kind of just thinking out loud here, I would say that we live in a lawless country. Why? Because there's really not a clear vision of where we're going. Guess whose responsibility that is to bring that to our country? It's the church's responsibility to bring the clear revelation and vision of what our country is supposed to be like. No, look, look, it's our responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. Right? If we keep relying on that, guess what we're going to be? We're going to be stuck forever, right? The people in, I'm talking both sides of the aisle. I don't care who it is, right? Us as believers have to lead the way of what it means to be a believer in this nation. Amen. Of what it means to love Jesus in this nation. But this is being spoken to the Israelites, the church of that day. And he says, Where there's no vision, the people run wild. The people run unrestrained and they wander astray. So what's the vision of River of Life? We have our mission. Hostess presence transformed the city. What's our vision? To be a vibrant community of believers connecting to God and to each other. 
to be a vibrant community of believers connecting to God and to each other. This was given to me over six years ago. I see the church, this church, being a revival center where believers from all over can connect with God and connect with other believers. It's our calling, it's our destiny. I see our church, River of Life, connecting to God as a lifestyle and that connection to God enables us to connect with each other within the church vibrantly. That's why it's important that you're here to connect with other believers here at church. Also outside of the church, meeting in groups, meeting for coffee, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, right? But your attendance and you being here is extremely important. Why? Because you give life to other believers. Amen? You give life to other believers. And you making that commitment is also practically, practically good for your soul that the enemy wants to come steal, kill, and destroy and your family, and your family. It's important for that to happen. I like the picture that Jesus painted in Acts chapter 1-8. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses where first? Come on, Jerusalem, right? Just doing a big Bible study here, okay? See power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotes or the uttermost parts of the earth, the King James puts it. All right? So here's what this means. There's a million different ways to preach this, and I, and I understand that, but we're going to take this route. All right? We're going to take this route. Jerusalem, when you look at a map in, during that time, Jerusalem was a city inside of Judea. Okay? So it'd be like Alaska inside the Cooley region. Okay, there's, there's Jerusalem, there's Judea. Now, Samaria was connected by a border, okay, to Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth where everything else fell outside of that realm. All right, so your Jerusalem is your church. If you consider River of Life your home church, home church, okay, this is my place of worship. This is where I get fed. This is where I come to. This is where I commit to. This is where I can connect it. If you consider River of Life your home church, then you are important to learn how to lead in your home church, to be connected in your home church, to grow roots and to plant here in your home church. This is your Jerusalem, if you will. You guys understand that? This is your Jerusalem. Now, where's your Judea? Well, hey, guess what? Outside of the four walls of this church, everywhere you go, that's why I appreciate time to revive, right? Because we're reaching the Judeas and the Samarias and the people around. That's why I appreciate that. That's why I appreciate ministries like that because they're reaching outside of the Jerusalem area, okay? And that's extremely important, extremely important because God calls you and God called us, right? Not just you, but God called me and us to be filled with power, to minister to our Jerusalem and to minister to the Judea around and then the Samarias. The Samaria is everything outside of the Cooley region, if you will. To go outside and go to the Black River Falls and go to the Eau Claire's and go to the rest of the area, the state, if you will. Now, the uttermost parts of the earth are everything else around. 
when we can minister confidently within our Jerusalem, it will only help us minister to the Judeas. When we can minister to the Judeas, then we can minister confidently to Samaria's and so on and so forth. And this church is here to equip you to do so. So what's the vision? To be a vibrant community of believers connecting to God and each other. The process, very briefly, is discover, develop, and deploy. What are these things? We call it our 3D roadmap, our 3D vision, okay? Which is discover. Discover is a four-week class, four-week get-together that you learn about the church. Now, it's not just about the church. It's not even about the information. That's more about relationship. It's more about connection. You commit for four weeks and go, you know what, pastor? I want to commit to four weeks. I teach that class and I love meeting all the new people. I love meeting all the people. Develop. Develop is another four-week class that you can say, I want to commit to. Develop helps you in your spiritual gifts, helps you discover, develop who you are and how you'll best fit within your Jerusalem. And then deploy is, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deploy you now, just like you would in the military. We're going to deploy you now to work and to equip you to be a saint that works within Jerusalem and outside into your Judeas and your Samarias. Whatever God has called you, whatever God has had you to be and to do, we want to be a person in a church to resource you and to equip you to go and minister and be what God has called you to be. That's why we're here. You guys tracking that? And our core values, Ethan, can you play a little bit? Thanks, man. Our core values are this. These are the lines in the sand. These are the non-negotiables. These aren't just the core values of the church. These are the core values of my life. And I encourage you to, to set up maybe some core values for your personal life. Things that you just won't cross, these are it. And whatever those are for you, that's what they are for you. These are the core families. These are the core values for my family and for this church. And here's what they are. Intimacy. To be driven by his presence. Everything we do will be presence central. Everything we do will be presence central. You guys with me? Yes. To influence. To introduce people to a new life in Christ. What does that mean? If I could put it to you in the, in the easiest way to understand, we are here to win the lost. Our church exists. It's a, it's, a, it's a core value of ours that we will be a salvation church. We will always introduce people to a new life in Christ no matter what happens. I'd even vow to say that almost, almost, not every time, but almost every time we meet, we'll have someone and we'll have a salvation altar call. Always. Had a guy come up to me after church about three months ago and say, thanks so much for doing a salvation altar call because not every church does that. But I feel comfortable bringing my unsafe friends here because I know you're gonna give an option for them to get saved. We're here to impact, to push back the darkness in our community by being the light. I love this. I love this. Because darkness cannot exist in the light. Right? Darkness can't exist in the light. See, it's bright right now. It's where we're sitting right now. It's bright. But it can get brighter. We'll just go ahead and turn those on real quick. You see, we just don't know how bright it can really get. 
Tanning time. Just keep your clothes on, okay? See, before, I couldn't really see that well over here or well over here, but now I can. The problem is, that the, not the problem, but, but the cool thing about being in the light is that it exposes everything that's dark. Right? And as a church and as a body of believers, we are here to push back the darkness by being the light. Right? And that comes in all certain ways. That comes out you being somebody to take the, to take the kingdom of God out, outside of these four walls and advancing it. It takes you going out there and, 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 and being Jesus with skin on. It takes you being out there. But it also comes when the church is in unity and we do events and we do certain things that push back the darkness in our community. Like this coming August, August 1, I'm going to start asking you next week. I'm asking you right now, really. Right? Let's start getting school supplies for the teachers so we can bless our schools when they come back this coming fall. Whatever they need, I want to lavish our schools with school supplies. Glue so kids can eat it. Hand sanitizers so kids can also eat that. Right? All those things. Another thing too, because this is the 20th year of 9-11, been thinking about this for a while, is we wanna offer free lunch to all of our law enforcement and first responders in September. All you have to do is wear your uniform. You and your family can all get free lunch on the church. I'm working on the place right now, but I'm thinking about parking a food truck in front of the, in front of the police department. Oh. Okay, William. Jesus, Jim. You can turn those off again. Thanks. We gotta be the light. And the last one, core values to invest. Invest, develop community, me and you, together, develop community through genuine relationships. I know you and I, maybe some other people from this side or this side may not have the best friendship and the most genuine relationship. But there are people in this church that you can connect with to have genuine relationships with because there's no such thing as a lonely island when it comes to Christ. You need me, I need you. We need each other to pray, to encourage, to challenge, and to lift each other up. Amen? Guys, this is our mission vision process of our church. Like I said at the beginning, about twice a year, we do this. Now, I'm gonna do something today that I don't do very often, and I don't know why I don't do this very often, but I just don't. I do it all the time, but I don't do this collectively as a church. If you consider this church your home church, your Jerusalem, if you will, or maybe you're a guest and and you're kind of just feeling things out, or, or maybe you really haven't really decided yet, but you're kind of wondering, oh, I've been here for a few months, and I, I don't know if I should or yet not really commit. Either which way, especially if you commit, and this is your home church, I'm gonna ask you right now that we pray for our church, everyone here in this building. I don't do this often. Like, if you come here for any certain amount of time, you know that I don't get up before the church and say, guys, we need to really pray for our church. I don't do that. But I just felt it so strong when I was developing this message that if we can learn to pray for our church, 
You know, it's just a fun saying. I used to say this long ago when I was a youth pastor. A church that prays together, stays together. So can we just pray for our church? From the youth ministries to the kids' ministries, to our men's ministries, to our women's ministries. Our men's ministries that meet on Friday nights, our, our, our women's ministries, our sisterhood, right, that meets once a month and then during the week with certain groups. I know Chris has got some great stuff planned this summer for our sisterhood. Our children's ministries, we're the new kids pastors coming in tomorrow to take over this children's program. So excited about it. You're gonna love Trelise and Justin, I promise you. They're great people. Let's just pray, can we do that? Let's just take the next minute and let's pray for our church, everyone together. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, God, we just pray for this local church. God, there's many times where we pray for all the other churches in the area, God, and I love that. And I love doing that, God. I, I just pray right now that every church, God, from, from, from New Hope, God, First Free, Lord Bethany, Lord Jesus, La Crosse Christian, all the people that we have a relationship with, God, or even don't, God, I just pray you would bless them right now, Jesus. Bless them with souls. Bless them with people. But Father, we pray for a river of life today. God, we just ask and, you pray, and we pray, Jesus, for our children's ministry, that Jesus, may this transition be smooth. God, may we walk this out with grace. May we walk this out, Father, with love and mercy for one another in this ministry. God, I pray for Trelise and Justin right now. God, as they're driving on the way up here, God, I just pray you would bless them, keep them safe, God. Keep them connected to you. Let them follow your voice, Father. God, I pray for Pastor Lupe and Rachel, Father, and his family. God, I pray you would protect them, protect their family. Lord Jesus, and their hearts and their minds. God, I pray you keep giving them vision. Lord God, for the 52, 55 teenagers that were here last Wednesday. God, I pray you've entrusted them. God, I pray you just continue to move, Father, in their hearts and their lives. God, and I pray for this church right now. God, as we seek you, as we search you, as we pray, may you unfold, God, the vision of the next steps where you want us to go. May you unfold, God, the vision, Father, where you want us to step, God. Lord, because you said in your word, the steps of a righteous man or ordered by you. Behold, I've done great things for you, God. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. God, plans to prosper you, give you hope in the future. Father, let us step into that hope in the future, Father. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. God, we honor you. All this is for you. It's not for our glory. It's not for us to be noticed. God, I don't even care for a blip on the map. God, all I care about, Father, is if you're glorified. That's it. I don't care, Jesus. I don't care if we have influence. I don't care if we have to lead. I don't care about anything. All I care about is giving you the glory above all things, Jesus. God, this church is yours, always has been, and always will be. From the time that I got here, Father, I dedicated this church to you right here in this sanctuary. Just me and you, Lord. And I dedicated my time to you. God, and it always will be that way. Father, I love you. I honor you. It's all for you, Jesus. We bless you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen.